0: I'm Sarah Moore. Uh, I'm an academic professional development manager at the University of Sheffield, um, which uh, basically involves doing similar sorts of things to um, uh, the colleagues that have spoken already. Um, But I'm also a student on the doctorate in education um, at Sheffield. And what I'm going to be talking about today is some of the stuff that's come out of um, the research that I've been involved in um, for my doctorate. Um, and I'm going to pause this first, because what I want to start by doing is to focus on some of the narratives that have come out um, around uh, GTA professional development. And a lot of this work is is ongoing. It's something that we're negotiating with the GTAs involved, which I'm going to talk about in a few minutes. Um, but I wanted to start by reading you some of those narratives between identities, agency and representation. And we've talked a lot about um, agency and validation um, today. And one of the ways in which I wanted to validate and, and represent a lot of the GTAs that we're working with is through the use of fictional narratives. And this is partly a response to um, some of the challenges for us as um, educational developers. As you can probably tell from my accent, I am from the UK, I am white, the vast majority of people I work with who are GTAs are neither of those things. So actually, when we're thinking about how we design educational development programmes, I can say the rest of my team are in the same position as myself. We are coming from a particular perspective. Um, I think somebody talked about us as experts. you know we 're sometimes seen as the experts who will give you the answer, but actually we're coming from a very specific perspective that isn't necessarily representative of the gTAs that we're working with, and I wanted to look at um, how we might use narrative to be able to explore that in more detail so what I wanted to look at, and these are my questions at the moment, this is a, a work in progress, which is why I stopped the, the recording, is I wanted to look at how GTAs saw that, see their role, how they define their role as, as teachers in higher education. Um, interestingly, the first question I asked there is, how do, what do you call yourself? I worked with, uh, in depth with three participants that had three different names for their teaching roles, um, so that's very different. What influences those perceptions? What does that then mean for what they do in practice? And where are those spaces for agency for GTAs? Do they have spaces for agency? And what might those spaces look like given what we've talked about so far about the, the structural constraints that they're working in? And... I particularly like this quote um, by Clegg because Clegg focuses on um, academic identity. And what she talks about, she says, it's not just a thing. It's not just something that you hold. It's not necessarily just a core identity, but it's about what you do with it. It's about how that is enacted in in real life. Um, And Zeichner and Liston um, pull on this in terms of teaching practice when they say that, who we are influences how we teach so if we are going back to Claire's point about survival skills if we're just teaching them survival skills we're missing a huge chunk underpinning the approaches that they might take to their teaching and also we're not reflecting on what might influence the approaches we take to the way in which we develop them around teaching it also ties in with something that's been picked up again earlier today that yes, um, GTAs may be given a syllabus, they may be given um, something to teach, but they don't passively deliver that. And I hate the word deliver when we talk about teaching. It's not a case of here is my thing, which I will deliver because they're making all sorts of decisions all the time about how they teach that. And similarly the students aren't passive recipients of that. So actually this interaction is absolutely essential to how we think about curriculum. I'm influenced by the notion of critical realism, particularly Margaret Archer's work around agency. So if you're interested in looking at agency um, Margaret Archer is a really good person to look at because what she says is there's, there's almost there's been two models of agency. The idea that human beings have agency and we can do whatever we want and human beings are completely constrained by social forces that means that nothing we do is ever our own, which is really depressing. Um, and what she says actually is, it's in reality, it's somewhere in between. Yes, we have a lot of um, social constraints that do um, direct the way in which we operate, but actually we have spaces within those um, where we can enact our own agency. And this is particularly the case, and again we've talked about this quite a lot today, given that GTAs are working in a liminal space, um, which is uncertain, it is messy, and it is something that perhaps provides those spaces where they can enact agency in unusual ways. So the reason why um, the case studies are um, still ongoing is because this is my attempt, and it is only an attempt, and it doesn't go as far as what I'd like it to, in developing a kind of collaborative project. So I started off by having an initial discussion about GTAs, about how they saw their role, where they came from, what their thoughts on teaching were. And then I used... um, a sort of a structured reflective approach based on observation so I did a pilot to kind of test out how things would work and they told me don't sit there sit over there because you're in my eye line and things like that to kind of um, make sure it worked for both of us and then what we did was we had a series of observations and then reflective discussions based on those observations so we could pick up incidents that happened in the classroom um, and talk about what those meant for them as teachers And then finally, this is the stage that I'm currently at, is I'm working with GTAs and we're doing a bit of backwards and forwards around the narratives to make sure that they properly represent their experiences um, and and their, their agency. And the reason why I have decided to go down the route of fictional narratives and why it's helpful is this quote by Gallagher, which I particularly like, this idea of rival musings and interpretive openings. This idea that there can be conflict. So what I want to do with Ahmed's story, uh, and we're currently working through that, is to develop his narrative of the name, how he sees that idea of whether the students know his name or not. Because in the discussion, he seemed really surprised by my reaction Um, He didn't necessarily see it as a problem. And similarly, what narrative does and what I wanted to demonstrate through that first activity is it's not just about my analysis as a researcher of some of these stories, because actually one of the key um, people in the narrative is the audience as well. So some of the things that you were talking about, some of the points that you raised would not necessarily have been the ones that I would have brought up and that's part of the value of using this type of fictional narrative is that actually by talking through them with GTAs themselves they will put their own perspectives into into that particular situation and it gives them space to disagree with those and how I'd like to present this is as a collection of short stories um, that yes has analysis with it and I need to work out how I frame that but is able to showcase the the real diversity of GTA experiences. Because we talk about the GTA experience, and of course there isn't just one experience, there are multiple experiences. It also allows for messiness and emotion, um, which again is something that can be quite difficult to bring into professional development activity, especially when you're looking at the survival skills, is how do you honour and value the emotions associated with learning and teaching? And where this story started, and I think we've talked about some of this, um, but this was a real challenge as an educational developer, is Sharon Todd's notion of becoming. And what Todd says is, on the one hand... Pedagogy touches on the hope that people can think differently, can change the way they relate to each other, and can form new understandings of themselves and the world. So that's a really hopeful view of what we're doing and how we're supporting people around learning and teaching. We can develop self-efficacy. We can help them see the world differently. But then she also said, if it's just about turning them into this perfect thing, then that's actually quite oppressive. So if we're saying, we want you to be a GTA like this, and we want to shape you into this person, actually that negates a lot of the experiences that they bring, and that's not necessarily a validating experience for them. And she then says people bring a host of idiosyncrasies and unconscious associations that enable them to resist, transform, and create symbolic attachments which pedagogy can't predict or control. And that's what I wanted to try and draw out and to try and get into some of our um, professional development. Now, there are challenges. I said we're all working within constraints, and I include myself in that. So what we need to be thinking about is what can we do? The sorts of things, the sort of process that um, I've been going through as as an educational developer is thinking about whose narratives are at the forefront of our professional development. Who are we showcasing? Who are we valuing? And who are we marginalising as a result of that? How far are our own experiences influencing those narratives? And something that came out of the short stories is how far do we portray these, this sort of complete myth? You know, standing up here as an expert. As a teacher, you need to know everything. You need to be an expert. You need to be able to deal with all those difficult situations in this beautifully smooth way that doesn't show that you're flapping underneath. And if you're flapping underneath, that means you're doing something wrong. Actually, that's a myth. We do that all the time. Um, we just don't necessarily tell our GTA's that we're doing that. So how do we avoid perpetuating that that myth or that imposter syndrome? How do we honour the diverse voices and experiences of GTA's in our professional development? And what spaces for agency do they have? And how do we help GTA's to understand some of the constraints that they're um, working within and find those spaces? So I'm just going to end with an overview of my attempt at starting to put this into practice. It's incomplete, it's not perfect, and it's a starting point. And this is something, as I say, that's ongoing. Um Previously, and you'll look at this, this may well be a sort of familiar type approach. It looks very similar to what was at Liverpool. Um this was our previous GTA programme, and we have kept some of these as, as Liverpool did. It's very skills based. Um, this one, the Foundation Pathway, is our AFHEA introduction. It's very, this is how you do X. And um, a few months ago, I was approached by one of our faculty saying, what we could really do with was just a general introduction. And I thought, great, right, here's, here's an opportunity. So what we've done is developed this kind of overarching session, and this is a new session that we've developed, and I'd like to go back and look at some of the others and work out where we can start to get some of these ideas in. But we've got the usual things that you'd expect, so what are the roles and attributes of a GTA? Well, we do that via an image-based activity where we get them to, to think through for themselves what that might be, rather than giving them a list. We do do some scenarios and we do do some reflective models. But the thing I wanted to point out was this first bit. And for me, it was really important to start not with this is what you should be, but actually who are you and how do you introduce yourself? So I introduced, this is one of the slides that I've taken from the workshop. This is where we start. What did you do before you came to Sheffield or before you came to university if you started here? Why did you come here? What interests you about teaching? What helped you as a learner and what didn't? And who inspires you? So it's starting with you as GTAs, it's not starting with what I think you should become. And they do that, they develop a roadmap and then think about how those things influence their teaching. Going back to the names, we then think about, we obviously get them to introduce themselves on tables to begin with. And we then get them to think about, okay, how did you introduce yourself to your peers? And how might you introduce yourself to students? What are the differences and why? And we had a really interesting debate in the last session where actually some people said, I've absolutely introduced myself and established my credibility. Another said, no, my job is to support students. So if I've got a student putting their hand up and asking me a question, if I then went over and said, hi, I'm Sarah, this is my background and this is what I do. You're not. You just want to know the answer to your question. You're not interested about all of that. So it di- it generated those sorts of discussions around actually you as a teacher and what that means and how that then informs your approach to student learning. And then the final thing, which comes out, um, it particularly came out in Gina's narrative, but I think it, it comes out in all of the narratives. Um, all of the participants certainly experienced some aspect of this, is how do you then relate to your department, to your module leaders, to the people who set your um, your programs, your modules? So asking them questions, what activities are you going to be paid for? And this was the question I was going to ask before lunch. Um, are GTAs, or postgraduate researchers who teach, paid to attend mandatory training sessions? And that's a question that, that comes through some thought they should be, some thought they didn't you know what again that was one of the the conflicting um, uh, narratives that came out. How much time so if your contract says you're assessing and giving feedback, how much time are you actually allocated for that? you know questions like that when do you get to see the materials that you're teaching? when does the module leader when's the module leader going to send them to you? For some of them, it was on the day of the session, okay? So there was a real range of, of that. How do you then relate to departmental meetings? Um, and how do you how do you get feedback on your teaching, which is going back to that validation? And again, there was a real range there. And how do you provide feedback as somebody that's on the ground, interacting with students, often in a small group scenario, spotting some of the issues that you're... Um, that students are raising. What opportunities do you then have to feed that back so that it can inform module development? So these are some of the ways in which we've started to put some of the ideas that are coming from the GTAs into practice. Like I said, it's a work in progress, it's a starting point and it's not perfect. But hopefully it shows some of the ways in which we can um, adapt our approaches and start to question our own assumptions as educational developers in a way that means that our activities are more representative of GTA experiences. Thank you.